welcome back to Franklin Covey's twice weekly podcast on leadership with Scott Miller, where every Tuesday and Friday, we produce and release to you interviews with people who have had a voice in the space of leadership, human potential, of creating great outcomes, of turning nothing into something. This podcast is designed where each week you can watch or listen to best-selling authors, business titans, four-star army generals, best-selling authors, people that have had a unique point of view in their space. And today I'm honored that the new author, Jason Derulo, is joining us. You know him, of course, as the global superstar that has sold over 250 million singles of his many hits. He is a entrepreneur and endorser, and if nothing less, he is an insanely hard worker, where now he is releasing his new book, Sing Your Name Out Loud, 15 Rules for Living Your Dream. Jason Derulo, welcome to On Leadership. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, brother. Jason, it's our pleasure. Now, you are a household name with nearly 110 million social followers across all your platforms, you know, nearly 60 million TikTok followers. I think Taylor Swift has about a third of your TikTok followers. I mention that because one of the things I've learned from your book is that although you are clearly a talented songwriter, vocalist, entertainer, you might argue that your superpower is discipline, is work ethic, is maybe belief in yourself. And so I want to get into that as it relates to anyone who's watching or listening today that wants to accomplish something and they just need to believe in yourself and themselves. Before we get into that, will you rewind a couple hundred million singles ago and reorient all of our listeners and viewers to your journey. You've had some ups and, your and downs. Talk a bit about what your journey as a global superstar has been like, because my sense is not all of it was, um, was easy. No, so um, I started off as a dreamer, and I saw Michael Jackson for the first time, and I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a musician. Uh, there's nothing else that I'd rather do more. Um, and it started off with that goal. It started off with that dream. And I remember a time shortly after that, a couple of years later on my journey, sitting in my bedroom. I shared my bedroom with my brother and my sister. And uh, later, you know, later on, my, my sister was able to kind of move up and she kind of had a made shift bedroom made, you know, within the living room area. Um, so it was my brother and I, and I was looking up at the ceiling and I was like, yo, Joe, you up? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, why me? Why am I the one that has the acne? Why do I have asthma? Why am I fat? Why me? Why me? Why me? And uh, it was just such a low point, you know, as a child and a place where uh, I didn't necessarily know how to get out of. But slowly, with my brother and my sister's assistance, we started to run around the block and I slowly started to build up um, my confidence. You know, we had these you know, from the cleaners, they have like these pl uh, plastic kind of bags. Uh, we didn't have any uh, 
sweatsuits. So we utilized those. We put those on and then we put our, our clothes over them and we ran around the block. We started off with one block, then two blocks, then three uh, until, you know, finally I was able to learn how to be good to myself and learn to uh, love myself. And that was the beginning of my journey. That was the beginning of me knowing how to treat myself, but also to learn how to speak about myself. And I think far too often we talk about, um, uh, we talk to other people and we talk so nicely to them and we tell them how much we believe in them and uh, how great they might look or uh, just utilizing all these kind words. But when it comes to ourselves, we really, really down talk ourselves. Um, so I wanted to write this book um, for that young kid that I was and for all the dreamers out there that have a goal or a dream that uh, often gets pushed to the side and often gets pushed to the side by their parents, you know, or, you know, going the, 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 the cliche route, you know, going to grad school uh, and the dreamers that are older that feel like it's too late. Um, and, you know, I was a dreamer at one time. So that is the reason why I uh, came to, you know, writing this book. Jason, one of the chapters in your book of these 15 rules is called Talent is Overrated. And I want to read a passage from chapter 13 and have you riff on this. Now, let's remind all of our listeners and viewers, 100 plus million social media followers, perhaps one of the most influential TikTok stars in the world, very successful entrepreneur, 250 plus million songs have been downloaded. Here's what you write in Talent is Overrated. I'm not just trying to be modest when I say that I wasn't born with a lot of talent. And it doesn't really matter how much or how little talent you were born with either. The truth is I started out with a strong gift for songwriting and maybe a slightly better than average singing voice, just slightly. But as I said, I took what I was born with and strengthened it over time. I sang more, I sang better. It's as simple as that, and it's really just as simple for any talent or skill or knowledge that you're trying to develop. Now, you've been quite humble there. Obviously, you probably have some unique talents, but I think one of the themes of your book and your journey is your work ethic, your discipline, your perseverance, what you call even your routine. So. Would you give voice to the value that those things have had in your journey of success, independent in any raw talent you may have possessed or that you worked to improve upon? Yeah, I think it's important to know that uh, it's, we're, we're more likely born with equal levels of things, right? And I, and I know you said I was being modest with my singing voice, but I really wasn't. Um, I was born with a singing voice, yes, but I just sang way more than the average person. You know, I I danced way more than the average person because it was something that I loved doing. So I always urge people to try to find something that you love, something that you're obsessed with. A, you're just gonna be way happier doing something that you love doing. You know, I think it's really, really a disservice to yourself to be doing something for a living that you don't enjoy. You know, when you like something, when you are obsessed with, even when you, to the point of obsession, 
uh, you're just going to be that much better at it. You know, spending all your time, all your energy in your craft because you love to do it, it just makes it easier, easier to put more hours in. Uh, me being in the studio for 10 hours, I, I don't blink an, blink an eye. And I do love dance, but I, I am not, I'm not like a passionate dancer, you know? And I relate it to, um, for instance, my, my dancers. When, when we are in eight hour rehearsals, after that fourth or after that fourth or fifth hour, my eyes start to glaze over. I start sitting in the corner, but them, they, they don't even blink an eye. It's just like, you know, it's a love for them. It's a passion. Like they, they live, eat and breathe that. And it's the same way for me within the studio. You know, and the same way for me with with different endeavors. When when I find a, a company that I actually love, and then I'm then I'm so interested in building, it always tends to be more more successful. Maybe it's from um, the the time and effort that I'm putting into it. Also, maybe it's the genuine nature of of uh, me liking it, so people can read the fact that I that I like it, and I'm I'm really into it. Um, I, I relate all of these different rules to so many different areas, and it's so crazy how uh, they have uh, so many similarities. You know, um, I have a, I, my largest company now um, is uh, Rocket Car Wash, um, which is a company that's valued at $2 billion now. And uh, it, the reason why it is, it's because these are the same ideals that I utilize from, from music, the same ideals that I utilize from social media, applied it there as well. And um, and you just slowly start to see all these things explode, but it's the same thing over and over and over again. Jason, how do you decide? Obviously time is one of your most precious commodities like all of us. You're inundated with endorsement deals and business opportunities and business ventures. How do you decide where you're gonna put your time? I mean, you wrote a book. I don't know how and when you managed to write a book in your schedule, but I'm guessing you say no to some things. What's your decision-making criteria on what you choose to venture into? It's funny that you say that. Uh, one of my best friends uh, uh, was like, you wrote a book? When? Uh, he's, he's my creative director, so he's with me all the time. And he was like, when, when the hell did you have time to write a book? Well, <laughs> I've been writing this book for the last uh, two years and have really put my heart into it. Um, but how do I decide uh, where to put my time and energy? It really comes down to what I what I love. You know, I have to really be passionate about something to put my time and energy about uh, around it. Now, um, obviously, I love music. I love creation. But um, when we're talking about uh, businesses. I've had so many failed businesses because I was doing it for the money, because I was doing it because I thought it was like a good money grab that I can do it. I ended up losing a ton of money doing those kinds of things. I ended up losing a ton of money following in other people's footsteps. You know, it's a it's a real musician thing to do to uh, do a clothing line. It's a musician's thing, to, an entertainer's thing to do, I should say, uh, uh, to, to, you know, have a vodka or some sort of spirit. I did those things and I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, uh, uh, in, in, in each facet. It wasn't until I decided that I was only going to do things that I was totally in love with that uh, businesses started to, to do well. You know, I, I, again, I think it's because people can read through something that you're not necessarily passionate about and people can read through, you know, you wanted to do something for money. But also, again, 
I'm going to put more energy and time into something that I totally believe in wholeheartedly and something that I actually love doing. You're passionate about clean cars. <laughs> I, I'm not passionate about clean cars, but I am passionate about the idea of, uh, of being able to give people so much more for their, do for their dollar. So with the cars, this has totally changed the game because now you can get your car washed anytime for, for a, a fraction of the cost. So you're literally paying $7.99 uh, and you can literally get your car washed at any point where you before you would be paying $10.99 and that would be only be for one wash. It's just such a, a huge value add um, for, for everybody. And I think it's, it's a wonderful change. And, you know, it's, it's not a new motto, right? It's, we've seen it happen with Netflix. We've seen it, you know, take out Blockbuster. We've seen it with, with Spotify and how they took out uh, iTunes. I mean, it, we see it time and time again, but, you know, utilizing those same ideals and bringing it to car washing, I think it has totally just changed the game. Jason, you've made some good decisions as well. You're credited as being probably one of the most thoughtful early adopters of these social media platforms, specifically TikTok, which obviously is in the news all the time about, you know, it's, it's go forward viability, become a political hot potato, right? In Washington, the many state legislators, by the time this interview is done, you'll have 60 million TikTok followers. Uh, how did you, what was the instinct that you said, I'm gonna hitch my, not just Bram, I'm gonna hitch my marketing vehicle to TikTok and, how did that happen? Like, what are the lessons from your decisions around TikTok? Obviously, you have other marketing vehicles and you know distribution vehicles, but what was the decision around TikTok that you made that other people that have small businesses, entrepreneurial businesses, they're a struggling author, they've got a side hustle, they want to use social media, what have you done right to leverage TikTok? Why is it so successful for you? TikTok is... Well, the first, first, uh, you asked why I started to to go there and started utilizing my time there. So, um, I saw my nieces and nephews addicted to this app that was called Musically. It was called Musically at the time, and I was like, I don't understand why y'all are into this app. I mean, lip syncing, like, how is that? How is that fun? And how is that social? Um, why are you watching your friends lip sync a song? Um, and I got on the app because they're young. They're, they're in the know. They, they know what's next. They know what's coming. So I got on the app and I did what every uh, business owner or whatever every entertainer would do, right? Just start to promote. <laughs> so I promote songs and promote things that I could sell, and, and that was it. And I think that we all make that mistake, right? We all look for that instant gratification. We all look for something to sell, something to gain. And the problem is the person on the other side is looking for something to gain. So if you're not giving me something that is of value for me, I, I don't, I'm not really interested. I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to interact with it. I'm not going to, you know, comment. I'm not going to do any of those things. So, um, I ended up starting to engage with the community. And how do I become a part of the community? There's one way uh, to, 
to do some of the things that they would do. So instead of selling them things, now I'm trying to engage with them and, and, and maybe uh, try to give them something in uh, entertainment, right? Like I can utilize my uh, wit, you know, utilize some, some funny things and, um, you know, have a lot of fun with it. So I decided that that's the route that I was going to go. I was going to have a lot of fun. And that was the value that I was going to give people. I was going to do all sorts of things to brighten people's days. Um, but how do you do that? I don't know how to do that. I, I didn't know how to social media at all. Like, how do you social media? So the only way that I could learn how to social media is by trial and error. So I had to try, 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 try again. So much so that I was posting six times a day. So I was posting six times a day and I would have a ton of flops. And then like, I would see like one flourish. And I was like, dang, what is it about this video that they liked? You know, I didn't necessarily like this video more than the other videos. What did they like? So I kept posting more and more and more and more. And the more I learned, you know, the more I learned how to capture pe people's attention. And then I started to look at the, uh, the, the, um, the numbers in terms of when did people drop off? When did, like, why did they drop off at this point of the video? You know, so looking at that video, like, okay, they dropped off here. Um, that's where I lost them. Maybe the video was too long. Or sometimes uh, people, you know, got dropped off directly from the beginning. So that means they just looked at my thing and scrolled. So how do I capture people's attention from the top? Uh, but really, it was just about trial and error. And I posted six times a day. But I was also studying the experts. I was looking at Charlie D'Amelio. I was looking at Addison Rae. How many times are they posting? Okay, they're posting six, seven times a day. Then, so what makes me any different? Like, why should I post any less than they're posting? They're, they're the best, right? What, what, do, what do I want to do? What do I, who do I want to be? I want to be the best. So I got to do what they're doing. So um, I ended up learning um, the way that social media ticked by trial and error. Do you still post six times a day on TikTok? No. <laughs> no. I wish I, I wish I had the time. I wish I had the time for it because um, I really do genuinely love uh, TikTok, but I just I just don't have the time. But luckily, you know, we, we, we're in a pandemic, um, and um, I I got to to do my trial and error during that time. Jason, you write a lot about and you speak about the value of routine in your life. Uh, yeah. Why do you think that is a ubiquitous asset? that everybody has, like everybody can, can leverage from a routine, but not everybody has one. Take a few minutes and maybe re-inspire our listeners and viewers why you think routine is so powerful. Routine is powerful in so many ways, but before I forget, I wanna mention uh, one way that I think it, it's really powerful. So within my life, I've had uh, really dark moments. And within those dark moments, the only thing that kept me going is the fact that I had a routine and it's something that I could turn to and go back to. So for instance, uh, if I have a failed, if I have a failed song, if I have like a failed moment, it's, it's in my routine to just keep making more music. You know, I just make more and more all the time. A better example, when I broke my neck in 2014, uh, I was 
that was the pinnacle of my life. I was, you know, coming off of um, humongous success. I was getting ready for this big world tour. I was finally going to put on, you know, this crazy tour with all the glitz and glam and everything. And I uh, slipped during a back tuck and ended up breaking my C2 vertebrae, which which was a hangman's break. And a hangman's break uh, is, you know, one of the worst breaks that you can get. And it could have left me paralyzed or worse. I couldn't tie my shoes, couldn't shower myself, had to learn how to sleep on my back. And it was my lowest low. I didn't know whether I was going to be able to bounce back from this. But the only thing that kept me going within that time was my routine. Waking up at the same time, eating at the same time, working uh, on my craft at the same very time for a chunk of time, you know, it was usually about eight hours a day. And I would go to sleep at the same time, rinse and repeat over and over and over again. And I was just focused on winning the day. And before I knew it, when I looked up seven months later, when I was back on my feet, so to speak, I had written one of uh, my most successful albums that I that I have ever had. And uh, this album has six platinum songs. It was uh, the Talk Dirty album. And if it weren't for my routine, I would have never written that that album. I would have never had that focused energy, that that focused time. If it weren't for my routine, I wouldn't have had something to turn to. You know, I would have been so caught up in my mind and so caught up in in how low I was that um, I would have I would have just imploded. You know, it would have just been a situation where uh, I would have talked to myself. Um, out of success, you know, but I had this routine and I counted on that routine and that routine was my shoulder to cry on. And uh, uh, ironically, the Talk Dirty album is literally about to turn 10 years old in, um, in September. Jason, your book is titled, Sing Your Name Out Loud, 15 Rules for Living Your Dream. And the second rule you call Unlock Closed Doors. And one of the short passages reads like this, and I want you to, uh, riff on this. Whenever I hit a dead end throughout my career, I've always taken this approach. Okay, that didn't work. What are we going to try next? And it seems like, you know, sort of pithy advice, solid advice, but what would you say to the people that are listening to this right now and perhaps they've got some significant struggle in their career, in their business, in their marriage, with their kids? Your advice boils down to, okay, that didn't work. What are we going to try next? How did you manage to sustain the resilience to constantly self-disrupt, to pivot. You live your life in the public eye. You've had lots of failures. I'm sure some songs haven't been as successful as others. Some concerts sold out, some didn't. I once interviewed the famous author, Rachel Hollis, and she said, you know, most people aren't afraid of failure. What they're afraid of is having other people see them fail. And I think that's really valuable advice. Uh, take that wherever you'd like it to go. Um, I, I love her comment. I, th I think that was really, really uh, the truth, you know, because it's not about the failure, because if you had to deal with the failure yourself, you know, it doesn't, you, it saves you the embarrassment, you know, because the, the failure 
is usually the embarrassment that you're worried about. But it needs to be by any means necessary. Your goal is your, is your future. Your dream is your future. You can't look at it as if it's something that might happen, something that uh, will happen if the stars align. No, it is your future. So you have to get there by any means necessary. So if this way doesn't work, okay, that's fine. Okay, now we're gonna look for another entrance. If that didn't work, okay, fine. If that doesn't work, we're gonna try something else until it works. When I was six, when I was when I was twelve years old, I thought I was supposed to be famous already. You know, I I when I was thirteen years old, I was like, if I'm not famous by fourteen, I'm gonna give up. And then at fourteen came around, I was like, all right, I'm gonna give it a couple more years, and and so on and so on, right? So, um, so many doors had been shut in my face. I won an entire season of Apollo, and I thought that was gonna be my big break. Uh, I decided to. Uh, start posing as a songwriter, and that ended up being my my entrance into the game by by meeting some of the right people. But I tried so many different routes. Like I, I met label reps. I tried, you know, blowing up on social media. I tried uh, passing out CDs in the street. I tried every single thing under the sun, and what ended up being my way in was was uh, posing as a songwriter, writing for other artists. Uh, I, I tried to do that so that I could get this demo so that I could you know, pass out to you know, some more label execs or whatnot. And then it ended up uh, writing for other artists by mistake. So <laughs> oddly enough, those songs that I was trying to put on my demo started to get placed with different artists. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Let me keep on doing this. Uh, and as I started to place with different artists, my name started to, to ring bells in that world. And I was like, okay, maybe this is my path. Maybe this is my way in. And it ended up being my way in. But uh, if that didn't work, I would have tried a million other things because it was by any means necessary. I knew what my destiny was. I spoke my destiny into existence since I was a child. And um, I there was nothing in my mind that would have led me to believe that it was gonna be an impossibility. Jason, what's the largest concert you've ever played to? The largest audience in one setting? Um, several times, uh, around 400,000, 500,000. Uh, I played uh, in Morocco for, for 400,000. I've played in, um, I've played in Africa. That was also around 400, 500,000. Usually those kinds of um, events, you can't even see the audience that far back. Right, it's clearly, really clearly. There's a reason I ask. Um, I know our time is ending here. I want to know how you stay grounded when you are playing to a half million people. They all came to listen and see you. Your book is going to sell extraordinarily well. You have 100 million TikTok or, or social media followers. You've sold 250 million or downloads of your songs. How do you stay grounded? How do you live your life in a way that doesn't spin out of control? Like you see so many people that gain your success and your fame and your wealth. How do you stay real? How do you make good decisions? How do you make sure that you don't follow the same path as people like Prince and Michael Jackson and other people that you think have everything and you hear these tragedies 
How do you make sure that you don't ever follow that same path? A couple of things. I think for me, I'm always trying to grow, but not just as an artist, as a man, I'm constantly trying to grow. I'm constantly trying to work on myself. And I say that personally and professionally. I think it's really important to live live a happy life. You want to be successful, but you also want to be happy. First and foremost, before anything else, I meet all of these different people. I meet all kinds of powerful people, people that have billions of dollars, people that uh, are the richest and fam more, more famous than anybody. And it's so strange that more often than not, they're unhappy. And it's because those things don't make you happy. All of the things that I have don't make me happy. What makes me happy are the, are the simple things, the things that made me happy from, from the beginning. I love making music. I love creating things. I love seeing things uh, 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 grow and change and morph. I love my family. My family is really close uh, by close knit. I work with my family. Um, I think all of those things combined are the reason why I'm, I'm happy. And I hope that uh, people can see that happiness on my socials, you know, because I really try to exemplify that because I think a lot of people take themselves too seriously and um, they treat life uh, as if you have to just gain, 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 gain all the time. But what about, what about happiness, you know? I want people to follow their dreams for the right reasons. And, and I don't think money is the, is the correct reason. Money is great because it allows you freedom. I want you to have freedom, but I also want you to be happy. And happiness should come first and foremost. Jason, last question. I appreciate your time today. Your book is titled Sing Your Name Out Loud. And there's a whole cottage industry just um, researching and asking why you have your name in many of your songs. I'm not sure if it's in every song, but... My boys this morning, I have three sons that are 8, 11, and 13. And we were walking the dogs, and I'm interviewing an NBA player next week. And they love the NBA, but they were fixated that Jason Drulo is coming on the podcast. And they started singing Savage Love. And they were talking about how your name's in the beginning. And my wife said, well, of course, his name's always in the songs. I'm not sure that's always true. Talk about to the extent there is any wisdom, marketing, branding, whatever it is. Where do you put your names in your lyrics? Um, so it started off as, uh, yes, a, a marketing scheme. It was a risk. You know, I took a risk because nobody has ever sang their name before. I mean, we've heard people like, you know, put a tagline. We've heard people, you know, kind of say their name. We've heard, you know, all kinds of different kinds of tags, but we never heard uh, somebody sing their name in a melody. But how is it any different than any other slogan, you know, like um, McDonald's would do or any other super brand? <laughs> Um, it was a risk that I took in the very beginning of my career and it caught fire. Uh, so I continued the, the, the fire and I actually ended up retiring it after a while because, uh, it got, it got to be too much for me, you know, at a point yeah. in time, because as you can imagine, people, uh, <laughs> are always like, Hey, can you sing your name or can you <laughs> sing my name? I was just like, Oh God, this is too much. So I retired it. It's not until I, it's not until, you know, the fans brought, um, they, they made this whole trend on, on TikTok where they basically 
said that I have to bring it back. Uh, and it was such a huge trend and it, and it got millions and millions of, of uh, people joining in on it. So I was like, okay, the people have spoken, I will definitely bring it back. Um, but that is the only reason that I, uh, that I brought it back, but I'm so glad that I did. Cause um, you know, people, people really connect to it uh, for one reason or another. Your dream is your future. What a great line from today's conversation. Your book is Sing Your Name Out Loud. I'll send you off with this compliment. Uh, as you can see behind me, uh, I read a lot of books. I'm also an author myself, and so I know nothing about movies, restaurants, or TikTok, but I know a lot about a great book when I read one. And I think what I like most about your book is you've written a very, very broad audience. Someone in junior high school that's sitting in their bedroom in their community an hour north of Miami where you grew up could read your book and have a pathway to success to make their dream their future. Someone in college, someone in their career, someone starting out in a side hustle or an Etsy store or their first career, a seasoned leader could read your book. Your book, I think, has been written to one of the broadest audiences of any book that I've read recently. So I compliment you on making your book accessible, these 15 rules to an extraordinary audience. I think it's a book parents could buy for their children. I think it's a book that children could read and ask their parents to read. I think it's a great business book and really a great book on just how to turn your dream into your future. Jason Drulo, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. That was the, uh... That was really, really beautiful, man. And, and I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, I hope this book inspires a lot of people out there. But um, thank you for having me on, man. This was incredible. I appreciate it. As I have listened to this interview, I've been thinking about how am I going to turn my dream into my future, even at the age of 55. And I think your book is super timely. So I appreciate your contribution, Jason. Uh, thank you, brother. Thank you so much. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership. Mm -hmm.